Well, welcome back, Aaron Sykes, National Director of Sports Advocate, and I'm your host, Sherry Nadine, the owner. And today, September 17th, we are going to tackle the topic of why we advise student-athletes to take PSATs and PACTs as early as 7th and 8th grade, Aaron, What are your thoughts? Absolutely. Um, People don't realize how important these test scores are for the recruiting process, and they don't often understand that the journey of a student athlete is a little bit different than the standard student. So um, getting these kids in, taking these tests early, uh, makes a huge difference uh, down the road in, in terms of recruitment. Well, and we get uh, often challenged by uh, academic people, people in the in the high school environment that say, oh, no, no, we don't want them to take it until the end of their junior year. How does that affect a student athlete? Um, it, it has a huge effect. I think that we've sat back the last couple of years and really watched how that unfolds uh, in terms of getting offers and and how quickly colleges are able to move on certain student athletes. What, what I have noticed is, you know, everybody kind of gets this deer and headlight look when you ask, do you have any test scores? And the first thing they all say is, oh my God, well, she hasn't even had such and such math. And, and that's true. Um, but when we get these kids in taking these tests early and often, we can see where their downfalls are and we're able to provide them with guidance on test taking strategies, test prep courses, things like that, so that um, they're able to get in and get the scores that they need early, or at least show that they're trending to be able to get into these colleges early. And what people don't realize is these test scores are how academic stacking is figured out. When colleges know that they want to give a player X amount of athletic money, Then they got to figure out, okay, well, if I give them this amount in athletic money, what are they going to qualify in academics? And so that goes to the financial aid department at the school to be able to help stack academic money on top of athletic money. And without having an idea of what a student athlete's test scores and GPA are trending as, it's really hard for them to come up with a true figure for these families to know and you know, what we've seen across the board are kids that have proven test scores when colleges are able to initiate talks with them are that these colleges have a better idea of whether or not the kid can get into their school. Um, what I know is that kids of similar playing abilities are often, um, I guess the word, I don't even know the word I'm looking for, um, college coaches look at test scores of kids with similar playing abilities and they're going to go with the kid with the higher test score most of the time. You you hit the bingo on the head because that's what I hear when I'm talking to college coaches. They'll say, Hey, you know, check out this kid over here. And they'll say, well, why don't they have test scores yet? I don't even know if they could get in my college, but I got, you know, 15 other kids with the same talent level that can get into my university. So why would I waste my time going and seeing a kid? And they'll literally pass these kids up, which I've always kind of, you know, took the shot in the heart, like, hey, you know, coach, give them a chance here. But it also says to them that they know that we're 
trying to help them and we're putting this information out. And so they know that the student athletes are just kind of ignoring it or believing somebody else, you know, and, and I rightfully so. I think they should listen to some some academic advisors, but some don't even understand the recruiting process for student athletes. And I had one call me and I always welcome the phone call. And she said, I just don't understand why you would ask. And, you know, they don't have the curriculum. They don't have everything we need to book a good score. And I said, well, correct, because you're looking to book a score at the end of their, you know, their athletic journey with you as a high school. We're looking to identify where they're trending because some kids just aren't going to get into these higher universities. Let's, you know, let's not pretend they're going to med school if they're, you know, scoring a, under a 20 ACT, you know, in their junior year, which is, you know, pretty common common right so it, it and we're just not seeing yeah. we're just not seeing you know there's there's been an ideology and a myth that if my kid's good enough on the field they'll find a way to get him into the school and that's just not that's just not the case yeah, I, I joke that you, that used to happen in, in, you know, in the 80s when I went to college, you know, for the big five-star football player. And maybe it still does somewhere, but I think NCAA has done a much better job of requiring the academics. And there, there again, you know, uh, there's a lot of families out there that I'm running across as we're, you know, sharing our knowledge and education with them that don't even know about the NCAA Clearinghouse. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> step, step number one to recruitment. Um, so if you're not, if your kid's not registered with the NCAA clearinghouse, they're not going to be able to take visits to the colleges. Everything goes through the clearinghouse in the recruitment process. It is a checks and balance system to make sure that they are eligible for recruitment. They are taking the right classes. They do have their test scores in. And the college coaches have to double back to the NCAA for approve, approval. And, and we um, ran into one student athlete wasn't even getting a test score at the end of their junior year to be able to play in the NCAA. People don't realize there's standards to enter and be a student athlete too, not just the university, but that's NCAA. Right. There, there is a minimum standard that has to be met to be an NCAA athlete. And then the colleges have their standard as well. Um, you know, if, if you want to go play softball at Duke, you got to produce Duke test scores and Duke grades um the same thing with well, the Ivy Leagues you have to actually always, compete in the classroom when you get there right uh, absolutely you know and then there's the misconception too that uh you know oh my kid's got a 32 on the ACT and she's got a 4.5 GPA Whoop, I'm and she's just there, a, Aaron can you hear me go yeah go ahead and repeat yourself oh I yeah I was just talking about there. you know the um the parents and the players out there that you know, my kid's got a 32 on the ACT and she's got a 4.8 GPA and she wants to go play at Harvard. Well, Harvard's not out recruiting mediocre softball players. So even though you've got the test scores and the GPA that say you can attend Harvard, you still have to be a competitive softball player. Um, people think that the higher academic institutions are settling for a more mediocre player and they're not. They yeah, are we, going for we see that at for the high academic players. Yeah. yeah, you know you can you can go to a high academic camp and you can see the talent level automatically just drop because of that you know thought that they can just play there because they've got the academics and you know that they just walk on because you know they're eligible. Well, softball has to pick you or any sport has to pick you to play there, 
and then evaluate your academics. So it's, you know, it's that fit thing again, right? And right. let me pose this one because we get this one a lot. Well, they're going to waive the ACT and the SAT. You know, uh, they're not going to look at it anymore. Or my kid isn't a good test taker. I probably shot two bombs at you there, Erin. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, that goes back to players of similar playing ability. If they can produce a score worthy of pulling in academic money, college coaches are going to use that as a simplifier in their process. Um, and it's happened. We've had some student athletes of ours come through that have wanted to be on that end of the spectrum. And I've really fought hard for them to go out and take those tests, regardless of who's dropping test scores, because somewhere along the line, that's going to be an identifier. Um, yeah, or I say, cool. don't be an exception to the rule. They might right. make an exception to the rule, but you can't go about your recruiting being right. an exception to the rule. And I know I'm not a big test taker. I, I have three kids and two took tests really well. And one, you know, didn't think she took them well. She ended up with great scores. But, you know, there's a fear and an anxiety about taking the test. That's why we tell them to take it early and often so that it's just another test but I see more kids stress out waiting till that end of their junior yeah. year where that one test really matters because now you don't have time to tutor and fix it right no that that's a huge thing you know for me um I looking back was the settle for the score I got um because I didn't want to have to take it again. I hated standardized tests. I, the anxiety that it gave me was not worth the, taking again. I met the minimum standard to get into the SEC schools. I met the minimum standard for the NCAA, and I was okay with that. Thank God my, my athletic package was enough that I didn't need academic funding. And here I find myself, you know, telling my sophomores and juniors and, you know, incoming seniors, you know, Go take it again. Go see how much more money you can accumulate in academics because you're going to need it. Well, um, and this uh, was brought up by another college coach in that exact scenario. Go get that kid to take it a couple more times because if they can get more money academically, then I can use more of that athletic money to get additional players to better our team. So it's really a team concept coming in too, right? Absolutely. It happens. You know, some, you know in the state of Georgia, we have the Hope Scholarship. <laughs> Um, Florida's got bright futures. I think there's states all over that have a lottery that go into their college funding. And that's why you see so many of these in-state players going to college on less athletic money, more academic money, because they take what's left in the athletic pot and they go get the big end players in these, you know, Midwest, West Coast states. Yeah. And with the competitive environment, with so many less student athletes, you know, coming into their uh, playing opportunities because of the fifth year, because of the, you know, opportunity for them to retain, you know, during those uh, pandemic years. Um, I hate saying the C word because the, the podcast then gets a, a, a warning on it saying that we're talking about that particular disease, but we're not, we're talking about the effects of it that just happened on our previous podcast. But um, you know, the, the point is that they need to take it early and often and, and get the right score so that they can test early so that they can get some academic money 
but they don't realize that the academic money is more sticky in college. You can, because of the competitiveness, you know, if you're not cutting the cake, you know, they can kind of let you go. And especially on the boys side, man, they go back to junior college a lot and get retuned up and then come back in. That's going to happen in the girls sport because of the mere numbers of student athletes that are playing this game. They have choices and they have to win. They have to do their job or they don't have a job. Right. So, you know, it's full circle here, but I, and and parents too, they don't, there's so much pressure on, student athletes especially going into that senior year um, they've got a lot going on in that senior year not just from an athletic standpoint but from a student standpoint things that's going on at the school things that's going on in their lives and so if you can alleviate just a little bit of pressure off these kids I think that that makes a huge difference you know they're they're all trying to bust their butt at the end of the the end of their senior year when they should be a little a little less stressed and a little more you know, relieve that, hey, they're almost done with this. Well, and we give them the advice to put it as part of their study habits every week, you know, study yep. sections of the ACT or the SAT to know what you're going to need to know. Cause you mentioned math. I mean, there you either have it or you don't, you know, a certain uh, taught skill at a certain point, but you know, you're not going to pass the calculus section of an SAT if you haven't had that coursework yet, but you know what's coming. And that's the part that parents need to understand is that there's a lot of things you can do previous to the test. There's so much online math studying and tutoring, things that they can do that are so much more impactful long-term. You know, playing your sport's going to be a short time window in your life, but getting the academics to get them to their degrees, to where they're, you know, successful adults, you know, after sports, I think is the the, the end all, right? Absolutely. Well, gosh, well, you have, uh, and it's not the last time they're going to face a standardized test, you know, if they're looking to go to law school or med school or, you know, they're going to be faced with additional tests down the road, they might as well get comfortable being uncomfortable. Well, I even say it with the driving test, you know, it's just like it, any assessment, instead of making the test a negative thing, make it a thing that's assessing what you know today and what you need to know in the future, right? It, I, I just don't understand why, why that's such a difficult concept. However, we've also been challenged with, well, my student athlete has particular learning, um, you know, issues, right? And I'm not an expert in academia and I don't think you are either. And we're not trying to be, we're pushing back to the student academic counselors for those particular diagnoses because there's provisions in just about every state to help them with these testing, you know, but go take care of it. And And even more important for them to be doing it as early and as often as they can, if they struggle. Well, what a great way to find out if you have those issues, right? If you have the right. testing anxiety or, you know, the, the aversion to those types of things, you know, find that out early instead of waiting till your junior year where you don't have time to fix it, you know, and, and there are divisions that don't require any testing. So if it's just not your cup of tea and you don't want to do it, man, go to the junior college system. I don't understand why people aren't uh, feeling like that is a great solution because that is where your college coaches love to teach and train and groom and grow. And their whole goal is to, to develop you to transfer to the next level. I mean, I just don't know why people aren't jumping at those opportunities. It's a big switch for, for softball, baseball. It's always been a solution, but this is the first year where we're seeing 20%, you know, going into the junior college system just to secure the opportunity to play. Absolutely. 
So well, Aaron, any parting it. thoughts, any last last mentions to say, hey, let's get on it? <laughs> no, just jump on it. Don't be afraid. Um, you know, if you've got ac- academic counselors in your high schools that aren't sure about the journey for an athlete, um, you know, go find somebody that can give you that knowledge. Um, you know, they're. Well, I think the big one important. there is if they tell you no, call us. If your yep. student athlete uh, academic advisor is telling you no, you can't take it. One, that's not true. It's maybe not available in their school. You can school. take it anytime. Exactly. exactly. You may not be able to take it in your school. Um, you just go online to Kaplan, I think it is, and Kaplan pulls up test dates. It tells you where to go. Um, mm-hmm. I have student athletes that go to showcase tournaments, and you know, in the middle of the showcase tournament, they're going to take the ACT right there. <laughs> Yeah, my daughter um, took imagine. her. L- my daughter took her LSATs on the road during her soccer, uh, you know, in yeah. conference competition. I mean, it, you you just got to do it. You got to plan for it. But the other one is the college boards. I think it's .com or .org or .edu. But college boards is you know a great resource for information about you know testing for the SATs or ACTs or just. You know, love, love that phrase. Google it. You know, when can I take the SAT, ACT in my area? They ask you for a zip code and boom, there you have it. But don't let anybody tell you not to do it. You know, challenge them. Tell them you're a student athlete. I get they don't want to pay for it early and often at every university. I get it. The one academic counselor I did talk to, I said, let the student athletes who approach you for the opportunity take the test. That means they're serious about their academics. They're serious about their athleticism and don't hold them back athletically because of a school policy that's meant for everybody. Let them be that exception for your role. So that seemed to go over well. So, well, you have a fabulous weekend. And again, we just appreciate all your uh, wisdom and knowledge and years of experience. It's just priceless. And these student athletes need somebody like you. So Have a great weekend, and we will catch you again next week for another episode. Thanks, Sherry.